You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. Well, today we're wrapping up the series that we've been in for the past few weeks called Eliminating Hurry. What we've been talking about is how the pace of our crazy, busy, hurried lives, how it's taking a toll on us mentally, physically. It's taking a toll on us emotionally and certainly spiritually. How many of you, do you ever just wish you could somehow create more time? Anybody, do you ever wish you could somehow like pause, press pause on the time-space continuum and just create more time. Wouldn't that be amazing? So back in 2006, there was a movie that came out called Click with Adam Sandler. Any of you guys remember this movie? And in the movie, Adam Sandler's character, he receives this magical remote control, which allow, allows him to pause like his life. He can rewind, he can fast forward. And of course, it's an Adam Sandler movie, so there's a lot of appropriate stuff, inappropriate stuff that's really hilarious that happens with him in this remote. But wouldn't that be amazing if we had a remote and we could just, we could pause life. I mean, if you could pause your life and get more time, how would you spend it? Maybe catch up on some work, emails, you know, maybe do some chores around the house. You know, the laundry's kind of been piling up a little bit. Maybe finish watching all 28 seasons of The Bachelor. Like, what would you do with that time? <laughs> the reality is, if we had more time, we would just fill it up with more stuff and be even more busy. That's the reality. The solution to an over-busy life is actually not more time. It's actually to slow down and to simplify our lives and to focus on what really matters. In fact, that was the moral of the story of the whole Click movie. It's actually about a dad who was a workaholic who wasn't spending enough time with his family and he learns a valuable lesson because he fast forwards through life and he begins to realize that it's not about having more time, it's about focusing more on what really matters. That's what I wanna to talk to you about today. Now, the past few weeks, we've been discussing some of the core spiritual practices that Jesus modeled for us to help us eliminate hurry from our lives and to experience the rest that Jesus is offering to our weary souls. And so we've been talking about practices like Sabbath, taking one sacred day a week and stopping work, enjoying rest and experiencing the goodness of God. We've talked about embracing silence and solitude, getting away from all the noise and all the voices and stilling our spirits so we can hear the voice of God. We've talked about simplicity in our finances and the way we handle uh, our money and our, and our attitude toward material possessions. We've talked about embracing a rule of life. How do we more fully follow Jesus holistically in every area of our lives? Today, I want to leave you with a thought that will hopefully help bring it all together and give you some perspective. Because today, I want to talk to you about how you think about your time, how you relate to your, your time. See, if we're going to eliminate hurry from our lives, we need, to, we need some fresh perspective on time. You know, when it comes to our schedules, I think we have a tendency to cram more and more and more without saying no to things. Anybody you like me, like you're trying to get together with people and you're looking at your calendar, trying to squeeze in an hour between like all the appointments you have and just trying to jam pack as many things as you possibly can. I think that's most of us in modern day lives, cramming more and more into our schedules and we can end up at the point that we don't enjoy anything because we're doing too much of everything. And I think we know deep down on the inside, everything is not worth doing. 
And so what end, how we end up is, you know, we're at work thinking about all the stuff we have to do at home. And then you get home and you're thinking about all the stuff you have to do at work. And then you have a vacation that you're looking forward to and you finally get on that vacation. But halfway through, you start getting anxiety thinking about all the work you're going to have to catch up on when you get back from that vacation. Anybody else recognize this? Are you like me? And this is, this is a symptom. These are the symptoms that this modern day living is just running us into the ground. And so we have to learn to say no to some things so we can say yes to the things that matter most. John Mark Homer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, the book that inspired this series, he said, one of the key tasks of our apprenticeship to Jesus is living into both our potential and our limitations. Oh, that's so good. Because, you know, I think so often in church, we talk about our potential. I know I preach those kind of messages, you know, having faith to believe for God's plan for our lives and pursuing his purpose for our lives. And we need messages like that. Don't get me wrong. But we also need to be reminded that we have limitations, that we are human beings. And every one of us only have a limited amount of energy. We only have a limited amount of time, a limited amount of money, a limited amount of emotional margin. So if you find yourself feeling like you can't keep up and you can't do it all. Can I just encourage you today? It's because you weren't meant to do it all. Amen. You weren't meant to do it all. We, we have to embrace our, our limitations. And so I want to talk to you about that today. Where, where do we start? We could discuss time management. We could talk about uh, downloading productivity apps on our phone and systems to organize your life. But here's what I want to do today. I want to, I want to look at just one truth in scripture that I truly believe today has the potential to change your life, to impact your life. Why? Because it can impact your time. And if you can change your time, you can change your life because your life is made up of time. As your time goes, so goes your life. As your time goes, how many of you know, as your time goes, so goes your life. If you impact how you handle your time, your perspective on time, your relationship with time, it will impact the way you live your life. And so today, we're going to learn from none other than the great Moses. Moses, I love this picture, this power pose. In fact, I think I should grow my beard out and wear a robe to church one Sunday. Actually, I think Amy would veto that idea. <laughs> But we're going to learn from Moses today. Uh, Moses had some great perspective. He lived to be 120 years old. So he had some perspective on time. He had a lot more perspective than you and me. And Moses lived this almost epic life, uh, almost like a life of many different lives. In fact, we might break his life down into a few different seasons. In the first season of his life, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He was a prince of Egypt. Some of you might remember the animated movie from years ago, Prince of Egypt, until he discovered his Hebrew heritage and he ends up um, actually killing an Egyptian man who was abusing one of his Jewish brothers and then he begins a, becomes a fugitive. And then in the next season of his life, he ends up as a shepherd out in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years as a shepherd. That's a lot of years spent doing the same thing every day. You open the pen, you let the sheep out, you watch the sun make its way across the sky, you let the sheep graze, you bring them back into the pen, you wake up the next day, and you start all over again. And here's what you have to realize. Moses doesn't know how his life is going to end. You and I, we can read scripture and know that he's going to go on to be this great man of God. But in this season of his life, Moses thinks, this is it. This is how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And then we get to season three 
of his life. And he's this great man of God because God appears to him in the burning bush and speaks to him and says, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. You're going to be the one who's going to be used to deliver my people from slavery in Egypt. And so then there's the whole 10 plagues uh, in Egypt and the whole Passover where the angel of death comes and strikes down the firstborn of Egypt and all that happens there. And God delivers his people. And then that brings us to the final chapter of Moses's life. And Moses leads the people out of Egypt, and they're on the brink of going into the promised land, but they don't have faith for it. And they begin to complain, and they begin to grumble. And God punishes the people, and he says, okay, you don't want to go into the promised land? Then I'm going to let you wander in the desert for 40 years until a whole generation dies. And here's Moses again, stuck in the wilderness for another 40 years. And then he gets right to the promised land and gets to see it. God shows him the promised land up on the mountain, and then he dies. It's a bit anticlimactic. I would have wrote it differently if I had written this story, but hey, I'm not in charge. So Moses had some great perspective. And today we're going to look at a psalm that's traditionally attributed to Moses. Often when we think about the psalms, we think of King David. But this is one that the scribes attribute to Moses, Psalm chapter 90. And it talks about our relationship with time, our perspective on time. So let's dive in. Psalm 90 verse 1 through 2 says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. See, Moses recognizes that God is eternal. He says, somewhere between everlasting to everlasting, there's me and there's us and there's the people of Israel in this moment right now. And I love this word imagery here. He says, before the mountains were born, like you oversaw all of, of creation. And it got me thinking to back in 2018, me and my family, we went to, to the Grand Canyon. Man, my boys are growing up. Huh? They're small in this picture. They've grown up. They're eating me out of house and home right now. You don't want to see my grocery bill. I'm just saying. But we went to the Grand Canyon and had, it's one of our favorite family trips. And when we were there, uh, how many of you have ever been to some, a place that you've seen pictures your whole life, but when you got there, like the pictures just didn't do it justice? The Grand Canyon, if you've never been, is one of those places. I'd seen pictures of it my whole life, but when you first see it, it's just breathtaking. And I remember looking out, you know, over this huge canyon. They call it Grand for a reason. And there's the Colorado River way down at the bottom of this thing, just this little sliver, and thinking this river has been carving out this canyon for millions of years, scientists tell us. And it was just almost this sacred moment for me to recognize how big God is, how eternal God is, and how small I am. How small all this moment in time is that I'm living on, on this planet. That's kind of the sense that we get reading this psalm. And then Psalm chapter 90, verse 3, Moses says this, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Oh, I love this verse. Oh, come on, parents, this would be a great verse for you to quote to your kids when they're not listening to you. You better listen to me because Moses said, we serve a God who turns mortals into dust, and he can do it to you if you don't listen. Some of y'all didn't grow up in church like me. My parents quoted verses like this to me growing up. I can hear my mother right now. <laughs> she used to quote those judgment verses to me, put some Jesus in me, the fear of God. <laughs> but this is Moses' way of saying that God is input into how long we live. You say, well, how does that work, Pastor Jeremy? Does God decide or does he just know? And the answer is we don't really know. I mean, theologians try to give their best answer. Here's what we know. We know that God made us for life, not for death. That man, humanity rebelled against God and with sin came the curse of, uh, of death. But here's the reality. We know that somehow God is sovereign over the whole process. Somehow God is sovereign over the days of our lives, over the length of 
our lives. And then in verse 4, Moses says this, A thousand years are in your sight, or like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Moses is saying, imagine how time flies for you, God, because you're everlasting and your perspective is eternal. Like, how short does my life look within the context of, of how you see time? The Apostle James puts it this way. He says, your life is like a mist. It's like a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And then verses five through six, he says, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Now I can appreciate this because I've been to the Holy Land. And let me tell you, the midday sun in the Holy Land is blazing. He says, our lives are like grass that sprouts up in the morning but it's scorched by the sun. It's, it's not that, that God doesn't care. Our lives are short. It's not that God doesn't care. It's just that we're not around very long. And some of you are saying, thank you, Pastor Jimmy, for reminding me today. Now I'm depressed. Hang in there, okay? This is gonna be good. This is gonna help you out today. Then look at verses 10 through 11. He says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. Come on, life is short and it's full of challenges. How many of you can say amen to that? For they quickly pass, our years quickly pass, and, and we fly away. Anybody ever sang that old hymn, I'll fly away, oh glory, there it is. Verse 11, if we only knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is due, that is your due. Now Moses knew something about the wrath of God. This is Moses who witnessed the ten plagues that came upon the people of Egypt and Pharaoh. This, this is Moses who, who saw the anger of God burn against the, the Israelites when they disobeyed him. And when they rebelled against him. And so verse 11 is kind of a, a confusing verse. It says, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. This is one of those verses that doesn't translate so well from Hebrew to English. You know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But here's the idea. Here, here's what Moses is saying. If we could see God as he is, eternal, then we would give him the reverence he's due. Now, Let's take that into the context of our discussion around time. Here's what he's saying. If we could see God as he is, we would be more intentional with the time that we've been allotted. See, if we could realize how limited our time really is, how fast life goes by, then we would be more careful with it. We need this perspective. See, we tend to consider our lives against the, the context of how long we expect to live. Okay? So if we hear of somebody dying in their 20s or 30s, we say, oh my gosh, that person was so young because we hope to live to be, what, 80, 90, maybe 100. If you're hoping to live that long, you better start eating a lot better. You better start listening to your doctor, taking your vitamins. We're about to do some damage tonight watching the Super Bowl. Hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday, okay? But Moses says you should consider your life against the backdrop of eternity. Not how long you expect to live, but eternity. See, it's good for us to pause every now and then and to contemplate the brevity of life. I, I say it this way, never waste a good funeral. Never waste a good funeral. A funeral is always a great opportunity to reflect on how short life is. I had an uncle who passed away in the fall and went to the funeral with our family, and it was a wonderful funeral. He was a good man, godly man, loved his wife, loved his kids, made a difference with his life. And as people were reflecting on his life, I was reflecting on mine. Because for me, a funeral is always a great opportunity to be reminded how short and precious this life is. And so with this perspective in mind, here's Moses' application for us today. Verse 12, he says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart 
of wisdom. When we recognize that our lives are short, that God, you are eternal, and against the backdrop of eternity, our lives are so short, God, teach us to live as if our days are numbered because we don't normally live that way. You know, Amy and I, we've actually been married 21 years now. We are too young to be this old. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. 21 years, we have stayed married. Amy has renewed my contract again for another year. Thank God. <laughs> she lets me live in the house. It's amazing. But, you know, we look at ourselves and say, where, where did the time go? I mean, Amy and I, we were college sweethearts. We met in Bible college at Texas. In Texas, this girl came from New York, and she met me from Louisiana, and she seduced me and dragged me back to the Northeast. Is she in here right now? <laughs> And here we are 21 years later, and our oldest son, Aaron, is about to graduate high school and go off to college. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. Like, where did the time go? How many of you know the years are flying by? The days and the months and the years, they just fly by. We just don't realize how quickly they're going by. And so Moses says, teach us. Teach us, Lord, because this doesn't come to us naturally. We tend to live as, live as if our days are endless, as if our days are not numbered. And so Moses says, like, this, this is a big mistake. People who are wise don't live this way. Let me give you this analogy, okay? Did your parents ever give you a small amount of money to spend when you were a kid? Like maybe you went to a, a gift shop when you were on vacation, something like that, and your parents gave you some money. I remember when I was a kid, this would happen. We'd go on vacation. We would go in some souvenir shop to buy some trinkets. And back in the day, my parents would probably give us like $5. Hello, it wasn't Westchester. Nobody was putting a credit card in my hands, okay? <laughs> I know how this place works, but not, not, I had a little more humble upbringing. And man, you know, you had like $5. You didn't buy the first thing you saw. You took your time. Why? Because you recognized you had a limited resource. You had a, a commodity that was special. And, and so when you recognize that you have a limited resource, you're careful with it. See, we naturally do this with money. We recognize that money is limited, so we have to handle it carefully. Isn't it interesting that we don't naturally do this with time? And so Moses says, Lord, teach us to have wisdom. Lord, teach us to recognize that our time is limited. And so here's the result of doing this. Look at verse 12 again. He says, teach us to number our days. Why? That we may gain a heart of wisdom, of wisdom. When we live this way, when we have this perspective that time is limited, we gain a heart of wisdom. So here's our big idea for today. We might say it this way. Remembering that our time is limited, it provides us with wisdom to know how to spend our limited time. When we recognize that God is eternal and that our lives are short against the backdrop of eternity and our weeks and months and, and the days and the years of our lives are flying by, when we live with this perspective, it causes us to have wisdom and to better know how to spend our time in the midst of this crazy, busy, fast-paced, moving world that you and I are living in where we rarely even stop to reflect on our lives. I'm thankful for this series. That's giving us an opportunity to, to step back for a moment and live with some reflection. And so when you live with the understanding that your days are limited, you begin to gain perspective on how to use your time more wisely. We'd put it this way, more of this, less of that. I need less of certain things and more of other things. I need less time chasing things that don't matter so I can spend more time focused on the things that do matter. I need less time accumulating stuff and I need more time for relationships with those that I love who matter the most in my life. I need less time worrying about people's opinions and more time worrying about God's opinion and the purpose of my life. When we live with this kind of wisdom, it gives us perspective 
to know what we need less of and more of in our lives. You know, if you found out you were terminally ill, it would cause you to live with some perspective, wouldn't it? I mean, imagine you received the awful news that you had six months left to live. What would you do if you found out that news? Would you say, well, I better finish that show I've been watching on Netflix. <laughs> I better get even with everybody who ever wronged me. No, no. You would say, man, I better get closer to God and I better spend as much time as I can with the people who I care about the most and I better prioritize the things that matter the most. And if things are wrong between me and somebody, I better make it right. You would prepare your soul, right? And Moses is saying, like, we can live with that kind of wisdom now. And so the question is, what if we could fast forward to the end of our lives and gain some perspective? Let me give you an analogy today that's going to help you do this, okay? Bronnie Weir is an Australian author, and she spent most of her career as a nurse uh, working in palliative care. And so she spent years caring for patients who were in the last 12 weeks of their lives. Can you imagine the perspective that gave her? And so she would often ask people about their regrets. And over the years, she compiled people's regrets. And she wrote this book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And for the sake of time today, I want to just share with you the, the top two regrets of people. After all these years that she spent and gained this perspective, spending time with people at the end of their lives, here are the top two regrets. Number two is this. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I regret that I worked so hard. Here's what she writes. This came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been the breadwinners. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Wow. You know, I've seen a meme going around on Facebook for the past few years, and it says, take care of yourself, because if you die tomorrow within a week, your job will be posted online. It's kind of eye-opening, isn't it? And then she goes on to write this. Think about our message on simplicity last week. She says, by simplifying your lifestyle and making conscious choices along the way, it is possible to not need the income that you think you do. And by creating more space in your life, you become happier and more open to new opportunities, ones more suited to your new lifestyle. Wow, isn't it amazing when the wisdom of lived experience affirms the wisdom of Scripture? Spent a whole week last week, if you weren't here, go back and listen to the message, talking about simplicity, simplifying our lives. Let me give you the number one regret. The number one regret is this. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Wow. Bronnie Ware writes this. She says, this was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honored even a half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to the choices they had made or not made. Health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. Wow, most people never stewarded the time toward realizing their dreams. The number one regret. I've also read that most people on their deathbed at the end of their lives, when they look back over their lives, very few people actually regret the mistakes they've made. Very few people actually regret the failures of trying to do something and coming up short. Most people regret the fact that they never attempted anything. Most people regret the opportunities that they never pursued. And I often think about this in the, in the crossroads of my life, in the big moments where I have to make a decision that feels bigger than me and I'm scared. Often I'll ask God to help me to zoom out to the end of my life and look back and ask, how would I want to make this decision when I recognize that my life is short and precious, and often they'll give me the faith to step out and pursue the thing that God is calling me to do. And so, man, what a regret. 
to, to not have stewarded your time toward the things that God put in your heart to do. See, if we don't learn to number our days, then we'll end up living with regrets because you can't go back. You can always make more money. You can start to get in shape if you've let yourself get out of shape. You can heal a relationship if a relationship is broken. But the one thing you can't get back is time. Your time is, is precious. So in the midst of this crazy, busy world that you and I are living in, let me ask this question. Are you spending your time pursuing the things that matter most? That's what we want. We want wisdom. We want to be, as Moses has said, to live with, with wisdom about what matters most. So we've, we've gained some wisdom today by fast-forwarding to the end of our lives. And the question is, what do, what do we do with it? And I know today there's some mental objections. You might say, well, Pastor, if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'll never make it. Well, have you defined it, what it is? If, if I don't keep this pace of life, I'll fall behind. Behind who? I'll be poor. Define poor. I won't be accepted. Accepted by who? I won't measure up. Measure up to who? Pastor Andy Stanley once said, what a tragedy it would be to spend your whole life chasing after a success that you haven't even defined. No, we want to live with wisdom. Thomas Merton, who was a monk, a great spiritualist, great writer, he said this, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find when they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Wow. I want to make sure that my ladder is leaning against the wall of the things that matter most. Loving God with everything I have. Loving people. Serving his purpose in my generation. Loving my family well. Reaching people. Doing the work of the kingdom. And so let's make this practical. Let me ask you this question. We're going to put a grid on the screen there for you. And I invite you to take a picture of this. What do you need more of in your life? And what do you need less of? I want to encourage you to take some time, reflect reflect on this, pray on this. So in light of the fact that our lives are precious, that our lives are flying by faster than we realize, especially as modern day people who are living quicker than any other generation in the history of the world has ever lived. What should I add to my life? What do I need more of? What should I subtract? And for those things that are worth doing, what should I increase? And what should I decrease? And maybe some things you're doing, maybe some actions. There may be some people on this list that you need less of or more of in your life. Remember, we've talked over the past few weeks about these spiritual practices that help us follow the way of Jesus, embrace the life of Jesus, embrace this rest, Sabbath and silence and solitude and simplicity. Remember, we've been saying every week, it's not about adding one more thing to your busy life. That's the problem. We try to add Jesus to our already jam-packed, busy lives. And he often doesn't fit in. No, no. In order to pursue a life with Jesus, you, you have to let some other things go to create room for the things that cause us to live a life with him. We've got to get our priorities straight. We've got to prioritize a life with God. A life of following Jesus has to go to the very top. So we have to let go of some other things so we can reorient our lives around what matters most. And so I pray that you'll take some time to meditate on those four questions and that God will begin to speak to you about some practical steps you can take to put some of the practices in place that we've talked about the last few weeks. See, the reality is, I'm just like you. My life is busy, and I often find myself going through life so fast and not even reflecting on how I'm spending my time. But I'm thankful that every now and then the Holy Spirit gives me little reminders, little moments where I get a wake-up call to have perspective about how I'm living my life. I had one this past fall. So at Thanksgiving time, we always go down to, to New Orleans to spend time with my side of the family. And uh, my my dad has a, my mom and dad, they have a 15-passenger van 
that the church gave them. My dad's semi-retired now. The church didn't want this van. They're like, here, you can have it. And my dad, he especially uses it when we're in town. Um, I can fit all my kids and all of our luggage and we drive it around while we're there. And when I was driving the, the van, I noticed one day that the brakes started grinding and I recognized that the van's gonna need a brake job. And I knew right away when I recognized that the, that the van needed a brake job, I knew it was gonna happen. Me and my dad were gonna end up doing a brake job. That's what I knew was gonna happen. Because my dad is one of those types, doesn't matter if he has the money or not, he's not taking the van to a mechanic, he's gonna fix it himself. That's who he is. Me, I'd have been like, just take it to a mechanic, let's get it done. And here I am, you know, I'm on vacation. I'm spending time with family. We had a day plan. We were supposed to be going to the park with the kids. And here I am doing a brake job with my dad. And, you know, hours later, and of course my dad's like, oh, we'll just go to AutoZone real quick. We'll get the parts. It's only going to take an hour. Five hours later, right? And that's how it always goes because you got to find a tool and you got something gets stuck and it takes longer. Five hours later, after sweating, getting my hands all greasy, spending a half a day doing this break job with my dad. And one of my brothers texted me and said, hey, sorry, man, sorry you got stuck. My, my brother was with the kids at the park and he's like, sorry you got stuck. And you know, in past years, I would have been complaining. In past years, I would have been under my breath thinking, I'm over here stuck doing this break job with my dad and my brothers are out hanging out with the kids, having a good time. I'm supposed to be here taking a break from work on vacation. That's what I would have done years ago. But my dad's turning 80 this year. And I'm recognizing that my time with my dad is limited. And knowing my dad and knowing a busy week at Thanksgiving and all that we were going to be doing with the kids and the grandkids, I recognize this is the most quality time I'm going to spend with my dad all week. And you know what? It changed my perspective. I recognize a few years from now, when my dad's gone, I'm going to look back and remember this day, doing a break job with my dad. And it took me back to my childhood because you know what? A lot of my memories are working around the house with my dad. And here's what I want you to get, church. When we live with this perspective that our time is limited, it changes the way we experience life. Your time is limited. When you begin to number your days, when you begin to embrace this wisdom that comes from this perspective, then we can begin to declutter our schedules. We can eliminate hurry and we can prioritize what matters most. If you will allow this wisdom, this God-sized eternal perspective to trickle down into the details of the way you live your life and how you spend your time. It'll change your life because if you change your time, you'll change your life. Stephen Covey, who wrote the best-selling book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, we achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. That's so good, isn't it? Let me say that to you again. We achieve inner peace. How many of you could use some more inner peace? We achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. And that's really what this whole series has been all about. Aligning our schedules with our values because often our schedules are leading us and our values are lagging. But what does Jesus call us to? To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love the people around us who are created in His image. We want to reorient our lives around following Him. His purpose is for our lives. That's what we want. We really want to live into our values, especially as followers of Jesus. And so our prayer is, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. God, help me to recognize that my life is going by so fast and you have work for me to do. And I want to focus on what's important and who's important in my life because church, your life is too short and your calling is too great to waste it. God, we have one shot of this. One shot. This beautiful 
life that is going by so fast. Teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Can we just pray that together and make that our prayer? Would you just read that with me out loud together? Teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's pray together. Father, that's our prayer today. God, we're asking you to teach us, to teach us, oh God, to recognize that our lives are short and precious and they're going by so fast because God, we don't normally live this way. We don't think this way, but God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that you take an ancient scripture like we read today and you breathe on it and you cause it to come alive today and it speaks to us today and it gives us wisdom. It gives us a perspective to help us live better. And so God, give us the wisdom. We're asking for the wisdom to say no to what doesn't matter so we can say yes to the things that matter the most. We want to embrace the purpose that you have for us. We want to love you with everything we have. We want to love the people that you've placed around us. We want to live with a sense of purpose. God, we recognize that our lives are too short and our calling as followers of Christ is too great to waste it on things that don't matter. And so, Father, I'm praying in the coming days and weeks that you'll speak to our hearts, that, God, you'll help us to take the things that we've learned in this series over the last few weeks, that we would reflect, that, God, even as we pray over that list of what we need less of and what we need more of, that you begin to speak specifically to our hearts, that we can bring these practices, these spiritual disciplines, these rhythms into our lives so we can better follow you and experience your rest for our weary souls. Oh, God, teach us to number our days and we may gain a heart of wisdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.